Good. Three people. The others haven't made their mind up yet. That can happen. Wow. We live in a very interesting time, don't we? Interesting times. The world is pretty messed up at the moment on a number of different fronts. And it's uh, so sad. And yet we know God is at work in the midst of that. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you for your Holy Spirit because what you've called us to do will never be enacted on our own or in our own strength or ability, but because of you working through us. Seeing the needs, seeing hearts, seeing people, seeing communities that need to know Jesus. And I pray, Holy Spirit, to help us be all that you have called us to be, that we can truly reflect the light of the sun in this darkened world. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Well, we're going to continue the book of Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to continue looking at uh, spiritual warfare particularly. And so Paul is concluding the book of Ephesians with the sense of battle, spiritual battle. And can I encourage you that as believers that the day you raised and put your hand up or made a decision in your heart to serve Jesus, you entered into a spiritual battle, a real spirit. You may not know, you may not be so aware of it, but you entered into it. Unfortunately, I, I realised quite quickly that my particular lifestyle and becoming a Christian brought a great sense of conflict. And, and so that quickly brought me to attention that the issues of spiritual or spirituality are very, very real indeed. And so I had no other choice but to acknowledge that this is the reality. But it wasn't just on my experience. The scriptures clearly teach us that we are in a battle. And we all know that. And at times we've all experienced that and we know that the way out of the battle is not just doing something that's a physical response, but a spiritual response. And of course, if it is a spiritual battle, how much physical could really contribute to the problem solving of it anyway? It is a spiritual issue. So we're learning how to ascend and we understand that spiritual growth, spiritual maturity, plus relationships help prepare us to be battle ready. The question I asked you last week, and we're gonna continue running on this theme, is are you battle ready? Because the battle is ready for you. What does that mean, Louis? It means that regardless of how your persuasion on if this is true or not, you are having a battle that will come against you. And there are many times that we just have to understand and take light of the Word of God into our hearts and minds that we can put it into practice. I said, shared a few weeks ago that life can be a war and the key to every battle is fighting the right enemy and wearing the right armour. So, so important. So as a church family, we've been discovering and learning that we are a church 
our church family, we are the body of Christ, we are the bride of Christ. And then Paul takes us into this place where now you are an army. You are soldiers in this army. And he changes the focus a little bit. So we're going to continue looking at that right now. Paul, last week, as we mentioned, talked about being strong. And literally he was saying this, uh, strengthen yourselves in the Lord. There are some commentators that actually think this is taken and reflected from David who knew how to strengthen himself in the Lord during times of battle. And maybe this was the thought that the Holy Spirit was sharing with the apostle. To stand is an imperative, denotes urgency. To take a firm, defensive position and remain steadfast. So let's read Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you may take your stand against the devil." devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Wow. Let's have a look at that. We looked at stand just as I said earlier, but there's a stand against. This is what it says, put on the full armour of God. Well, whose armour is it? It's God's armour. It's his provision. He's giving us his armour. Put on the full armour. It's not Louis' armour. It's not Gabe's armour. It's not Roger's armour. It's the Lord's armour. It's God's armour. So that you can take your stand to stand firm and to resist against the devil's schemes. And that's what it means to resist when we stand against now, I, I know as a, as a believer for 31 years that I've seen some devil chases in my lifetime. I've seen some Christians that all they talk about is the devil, how big the devil is, how bad the devil is, how mean the devil is. And I think sometimes, gee, if you spent so much more time spending uh, talking about the Lord as you did the devil, wow, I'd be inspired. So some people have a really big devil and they, what I call devil chases. Now, friends, you don't need to be a devil chaser. God's never asked us to be devil chasers. He's, he's called us to be God chasers, to follow after God, after God's heart. But someone to do that. We must position ourselves in Christ's authority and not in ours, and we don't need to chase devils. Oh, they're there, and they will come, and when they come, we stand ready, we stand prepared. But we don't need to look under every seat and everything that goes wrong, it's the devil, it's the devil, it's the devil. I shared a story, I don't know if I shared this with you, that the devil got really, was really sad one day in his corner of a nature strip and he's crying and someone walks up and says, what's wrong with you? And he says, oh, I've got nothing to do. The Christians are doing all the work for me. Think about that. Sometimes we have gone into situations and circumstances that we have looked for the devil and we're focused on the devil so much that we've forgotten what we're here for. Alpha is a clear reminder of why we're here. A clear reminder about making disciples and reaching people with the good news. Something that we should celebrate. And even if we can reach just one, isn't it worth it? Or two? to understand what this looks like. 
So please, friends, never forget, never pretend for a moment that we are not in a spiritual battle because it is real life. I'm glad that Roger mentioned John chapter three because this conversation with Nicodemus was very interesting because Nicodemus discovers that what is born of flesh is flesh and what is born of spirit is spirit. Nicodemus was trying to understand this. And in the first conversation where we learn about the salvation that has been brought to man from God, the conversation with someone who truly understood, well, in a mind sense, in a knowledge sense, of what this looked like. How can I be born again? And Jesus introduces him to the idea that this is a spiritual birth. And if it's a spiritual birth, it's going to have with it spiritual challenges and obstacles. Just as a physical birth will have that. And as a life grows physically, so the life grows spiritually. So there are battles, 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 and battles. So I don't wake up this morning and go, I wonder what battle I'm gonna face, or I wonder what battle the devil's gonna throw at me, or what, I don't, I don't think like that. Again, we're not devil chasers and thinking about those things. But when things come our way, at times we know there's something that has shifted. And it asks not just for our physical response, it asks for a spiritual response. What's going on here? Jesus found that often with the disciples and teaching them that his method and his teaching continually had to deal with the fact that it wasn't a physical conversational illustration or parable, it was teaching something spiritual. That was the battle. But we must know the enemy. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. The art of war, know your enemy. Scripture describes several identities in which the devil operates. I won't share all of them, but there's some on the screen there. He's the, the God of this world, the ruler of demons, one who opposes God's people. He's the prince of the power of air. He's one who seeks to hinder, intimidate, weaken, snare, or set traps to devour. And finally, we read in Revelation, he's the accuser of the brethren. Jesus said that the devil has a mission to steal, to kill, and destroy. If that doesn't engage us in a sense of spiritual warfare, I don't know what will. That's in John 10.10. So the main message that Jesus presented was that the good news of the kingdom of God has arrived. And he shows us that this arrival of this kingdom was casting out demons and healing the sick. I remember reading, and some of you maybe have heard, and I could share so many stories of spiritual activity and oppression and the work of the enemy against God's people. Some of it very, very clearly to see. The journals of John Wesley were quite interesting. If you've ever read his journals, I have not, but in quotes I've read the fact that every time he would get up to preach at the pulpit, he felt quite nauseous and faint it was a struggle. He barely had the energy to step up onto the step to open his Bible every single time. He was fine throughout the week, but as soon as he went to do that, as soon as he prepared himself to preach God's word, he felt this oppression. So what do you do? 
sit down, curl up in the fetal position. The only way it stopped for him, and you can read the journals, is that he felt faint, nausea, weak. He gets up. He's prepared. He's trusting God. He gets up. He finally gets up. He turns around, puts his Bible down. And as he opens it, he begins to preach the word of God. Strength comes back into him every single time. That's one example of many examples of what spiritual battle, spiritual warfare looks like. See, the devil doesn't want you to be a witness for Jesus. He doesn't want you to share the good news of of Jesus Christ. He doesn't want you to do that. He's been opposing us since Genesis. And he does that right through into Revelation. Consistently, he doesn't want you to experience the life and the fullness that God has to offer. And see, because the devil can't hurt God directly, the next best move, the next strategy is to hurt his love, his heart, his children. You can say things to me and you can get to me at certain levels and, and I'll respond or react in different ways. But when you come to my children, it's a different game, isn't it? Particularly when they're younger, it's a different game. And as God's children, he protects us. But he at times allows us to experience challenges that we wonder how does this work. So are we battle ready? Because the battle is ready for you. In verse 11, put on the whole armour of God that you can stand against the wiles of the devil. Have a look at this word wiles and schemes. It comes from the word methodira and it means methods. It's where we get the word methods or methodology. And it gives us the idea of schemes, ideas, cleverness, craftiness, methods, cunning and deception. Spiritual warfare is real because the devil is real. The devil and his demon spirits, they are real beings. And this is what Paul is highlighting to the church. That you're not fighting flesh and blood alone, but there's something behind this. He talks about these spiritual antagonists roaming around seeking to destroy through trickery and deception the bearers of God's image, his glory. Who might that be? You. He's talking about you and me. We are the bearers of God's glory. And we are restored through Christ Jesus. The glory that was lost to reflect the image of our God. All through the Gospels, Jesus engages in a spiritual realm against demons and he engages in a spiritual battle for the souls of humanity. And by extension, salvation, deliverance and victory. Spiritual immaturity will keep people in the same, same place, fighting the same battle the whole entire life. And that's harsh, but it's true. There are many giants and many battles I've had to fight. And like what Roger said this morning, a few moments ago, I surrender all. I give it all to you. What are you asking me to do, Lord? What is your strategy in this? Look at Galatians chapter five. The spirit is against the flesh, the flesh against the spirit. The Holy Spirit has a strategy against the enemy. Maybe look at that another time. 
Spiritual immaturity will keep us stuck in the same fight year after year after year. You know what, friends? That's not God's will for you. That's not God's will for me. So Paul begins to highlight how we can fight this fight and get through that. And I hope that the next few weeks we are going to help you to understand that and be maybe, maybe a little bit more aware, uh, more in tune to this, some of these battles that we have that are always uh, physical. I think the greatest story you can hear about spiritual warfare is to talk to missionaries. When they go in, they take the word and the gospel into another land or a new land. Because most often they go into places where it's very un- understood and accepted of this spirituality and the gods that they live with and amongst. And Christians have many, many stories of talking about what that looks like and the battle that it presents. But we should not fear because I believe in the cross, like we heard this morning, in the great victory over every spiritual force of darkness because Jesus paid for our sin. Jesus strips away the power of the enemy and his weapons and his fate is sealed in defeat. So what does that say to you and I? It says this, the devil's a defeated foe. He's not on the same level, the same plane of, of our Lord and Saviour Jesus, not at all. Well, Yahweh God? No. But he thinks he is, and he'll keep going because someone may be convinced that he is. So he'll keep niggling away, keep going for the same spot, keep finding that Achilles heel. Jesus said, thanks be to God who gives us the victory in 1 Corinthians 15 or in 1 John 5, 4, but our victory is how we overcome by our faith. So we're provided the tools that we need to keep going. Verse two says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Verse 12, I said then. Uh, Against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of this dark or darkness of this world, against spiritual weakness in high places. I had a lot of information here, but to just trim it down a little bit. Isn't it interesting that Paul would just start to speak about that? We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. He wants to remind us that sometimes we think we are. Sometimes we want to react with people and we have a conversation with people and we think it's that person that I'm contending with. And maybe we're not. It's most natural to respond when someone comes up and says something directly. Maybe we feel why attacking that person or reacting or undermining your brother or sister, whoever it is. My comment before, how many churches have been weakened and failed and sin, and broken, and split, and destroyed over the colour of the carpet. The colour of the walls. Are we going to paint it? We get 10 committees to decide on what we're going to do. Try and make sure we get every voice and somehow we're going to decide. And the devil must be just thinking, oh, this, will, this will take away, this is fun. And then someone gets upset because the meaning behind why that colour was put there 50, 60, 70 years ago had great significance and meaning. And for some young buck to come up and change the colour of the walls, 
That's the devil. That's the devil doing it. This happens in so many churches. And you wonder, should it be that way? And sadly, the enemy ticks the box. Because while the church is in fighting and arguing, no one's sharing the gospel. We don't have any time to do that. We're too busy having a meeting, a community meeting, to organise a community meeting about what colour we're going to have. And then our community will drive by and they listen and they hear and they talk and they hear the history of a church or this church or that church in our community. And they know. That's what they do. So a message has lost its weight. It's authenticity. It's genuineness. It's weightiness. It's value. Almost it's glory. The message has lost its glory. And that hurts God. So while we learn how to be the church, to love and to function, to fellowship together, you are not the enemy. And I am not the enemy. Well, there's an enemy out there. He's got you and me in his sights. And there are things that we can do that Paul teaches us so that we can be better prepared. Why? The question is, are you ready for the battle? Because the battle is ready for you. Some of the stuff that you may be finding with your family and loved ones, issues, sicknesses, all sorts of things. Who knows? Who knows? The intensity, the heartache, the brokenness, who knows? Who knows? So I'm really sad when I hear pastors and leaders and church folk getting upset with each other, having protests and placards and wanting to close the church and do this and do that. If I can't win, you can't win. You've read the newspapers, you've heard the news. The Royal Commission has put the church in Australia under the spotlight, under a microscope. There's so many checks and balances now that we have to do as churches and leaders so we can just be insured. And the devil's going, ah, oh, this is so good. We'll baffle them with administration, weary them out so churches can't even think and make decisions. It's too much. I've had pastors and leaders ring me, board members ring me saying, have you got some information that you can help me with? Can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? And I said, mate, I'll, whatever I've got, I'll send it to you. He said, we're just a small church and, and I, I work full time and, and I'm, I'm now the, the chair of the board, so to speak, or the elders and I, I don't know how to do this. I said, well, we're with you. We're just building this as we go. It's a challenge. You can see why people just want to give up and the church can be held back. 
Because that's real, friends. This word wrestle in your, is an old Greek word, parlay. It refers to a struggle, it refers to sparring, essentially wrestling hand-to-hand and foot-to-foot combat. See the first picture? If you just go back to the previous slide, you can see the two guys there. That's a great picture of what it looks like. The second slide, if you just go back now to what you just had, that was perfect. I tried to make it in a way that, I could have got other pictures up there, but you want a freak and you want out. But sometimes it's just, we can see it in one slide, but the next slide, it's hard to see. It's not like we can just see the enemy and see the devil and just poke him in the eye and quote scripture to him, like Jesus did. It's unseen in so many ways. And we're gonna navigate through our daily decision and making. How do we do this? How do we know if this is a, just a, a natural result of life and commonness? Or is there something sinister and spiritual behind this? And that's why the scriptures teach us to be discerning and to know and to be of the awake of the day, not a night asleep. Teaches us. So Paul goes on to describe the different levels of demonic powers that exist in Satan's kingdom. Paul used the various terms here to refer to spiritual enemies, that we should regard them as being many different levels and in many different ranks, and yet they have one, one same goal, to knock the Christian down from their place of standing. Hence why Paul said, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might and do everything stand because the devil wants to knock you down. There are three positions that we read over the book of Ephesians. First two chapters deal with sitting. Three and four, a little bit of three, four and five deal with walking. And chapter six deals with standing. We sit, and there's times to sit, to know who we are in Christ. There are times to walk and have action and be faithful in the action. And there's times to stand. Stand together. Sit together. Walk together. Stand together. This is the call for the church. Ephesians 1.20 talks and speaks about how Jesus is enthroned in heaven far above all principalities and powers. Colossians 1.16, we looked at that some months back, tells us how Jesus created principalities and powers. Colossians 2.10 tells us that Jesus is the head over all principality and power. Therefore, Jesus is not the opposite or equal with Satan. He's much, much greater. We fight powers of darkness, of rulers, the powers of this dark world and spiritual forces of evil. These are demons and they influence society and thinking and governments. It's not to say the government is a devil or a leader or politician is a devil, but we can surely, as Christians aren't the devil, but we can certainly do the work of the enemy. Note my comment to you a few weeks ago about Jesus talking to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. If you don't have in mind the things of God, you have a different thinking. 
James 4, 7, 8 says, submit yourselves there to God, the one true God, and fight against the devil and his schemes. If you do, he will run away in failure. Sometimes we want to resist the devil first, but we need to draw near to God first. Can I encourage you? I've seen demon possession. I don't know if you have, and I won't ask you to raise your hand. I've seen it, and it, every hair on your arm goes up, and you know. I've seen it when we worked with a young girl, and I haven't got time, but a young girl who came along to our youth and was speaking about different things and the story she started to tell us and this narration of this story was quite intense and I said, you now have given me enough information. This is a reportable offence. This is a reportable situation. I encouraged her and we, we met with her. I never met with her alone. Never tried to do that, but there was something I felt. My spidey senses were telling me something is off. One day as I'm sitting in the lounge, I get a phone call from the mum. I don't know how she knew my number. She was welcome to call me. I think it was a Baptist church. It was in Victoria. And she happened to be in the daughter's room, found a book under her bed, and what she read in there just was hor horrific. When she went to confront the daughter, the daughter spoke in a voice that she never heard before. It was a demonic voice. She said, when I walked into the bedroom, the odour and the smell in the room, she said, oh, I didn't, it was... Terrifying. She said, we didn't know what was going on. She said, the story that, that we've been told, and I encouraged her to go to the police. In fact, she did go to the police. And later on in the, in the, in the, all the, all the story, long story short, um, found out that she was filing a, a false complaint. So she got in trouble for that because she wasted the special crimes unit a lot of time and energy and money for something that she made up. But unfortunately, she was very, very broken. And there was demonic oppression upon this young girl, teenager, 15, 16, that the devil was just trying to break and destroy. And the only way that can be broken is God's people coming together and the church got together, the pastors were getting together, they were just horrified at what was going on, unbeknownst to them. I share that, I didn't plan to share, that's not in my notes, but I share that because there's so many stories we could talk to you about and maybe you could tell us too how this is so real. This is so, so real. But it may not be with that odour or that demonic voice that amplifies in some sort of sound that you've never heard before and scares the heebie-jeebies out of you, so to speak. Could be just a simple conversation or not a conversation. I don't know. Have a think about it. In 1 Peter 5, 6 and 9, it says this, therefore, humble yourselves, demote, lower yourselves in your own estimation under the mighty hand of God that in due time he will exalt you. Casting the whole of your cares, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on him. For he cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. Isn't this amazing? Be well balanced, temperate, sober of mind. Be vigilant and cautious at all times. For your enemy of yours, or for that enemy of yours, the devil roams around like a roaring lion. He's not a roaring lion, but like a roaring lion, in fierce hunger, seeking, some, seeking someone to seize upon and devour. 
The Bible says in verse 9, withstand him, be firm in the faith, against his onset, rooted, established, strong, immovable, and determined. I thought the Amplified really helps to understand the thought process here. Yes, the devil is committed to taking you out and me out, trying to rob us of life and joy and wellness and every spiritual blessing that God has provided and brought for us and purchased for us that we just celebrated earlier and that we should celebrate every day. But we do have a real battle. Paul goes to say on in 2 Corinthians 10, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So we have protection. We're going to learn about the armour. We have a way to make through these challenges. Our mission here as a church, and a church family, as an army, as soldiers in this army, is that we would extend the kingdom of God that we would see the lost and feel for the lost and hurt as the lost hurt. Our purpose is to establish God's kingdom right here, right now. And that is the goal. That's why this church was planted. That's why this building is here. Someone built it and laboured that this building would be here for that very purpose. That we'll never get caught up in our internal affairs so arguing and busy about our stuff that we forget about what the real mission and purpose of the church is all about. His church is called to be triumph. That the church will arise, the church will overcome. The church will endure. The church has the victory and will continue to walk in his victory and to declare this victory in Jesus' name. But I have to ask you a very solemn and a tough question which I ask myself. Where are the salvations? Where are the baptisms? Where is the capacity to reach this community? It's a challenge. I feel it as the pastor. Everything we do must lend and lead to that point. It must. Because if we don't, then we're missing out on the greatest opportunity to share the gospel, which is, I understand, and last time I checked, was still the good news with this world. Gumbus, who speaks on the book of Ephesians, said, we are called to perform the same role with culture as Jesus did, reaching out to those who don't matter, marginalised, disenfranchised, those who are doing it extremely tough. And I'm sure as we look into this, that this wrestle that the church will have moving forward spiritually will be to be able to step into places that we can do that and that will become much, much more natural. We have a prayer meeting today that I dare say will be about praying for our reach and our understanding how we reach the lost. We reach those who are hurting and broken 
that we join together to really carry this sense of burden, which is Christ's burden that he gave his life for. So I conclude with this. We are to be strong in the Lord. We are to stand strong, stand firm, and we are to pray. He, perm he permits what he could prevent. And yet here's this battle that we have. But we are to stand strong. The Bible says there's no power that we sang earlier, there's no power that can stand against us when we stand strong in Jesus. When we stand united, five, six, seven of us, 10 of us, 20 of us, 100 of us, stand united, no power can stand against us. And when we face these spiritual battles, God empowers us and he assures us this victory and the promises that we'll keep fighting alongside. So I have a few questions for you, friend. Are you in a spiritual battle right now? Don't go alone. Don't go home without talking to someone. At times the battles, it does intense. But don't be afraid, don't stand alone. Hold your ground, stand firm in the faith and strengthen yourself in the Lord. Are you aware of certain things that may have been happening around you, to your family, to your situations, to your circumstances that are trying to weaken you and intimidate you and stifle you? Recognise it for what it is and ask, Lord, is there something here I need to pray for? Stand against, pray against. What is God saying to you right now when you hear this word? Do you need wisdom? You know what to do next? What's that next thing look like? Do you need strength? Do you need hope? Do you need joy? Maybe you just need maybe a little bit more of Jesus. Because He's with you. He's with you in the battle. He's with you in the struggle. He's with you in the challenge. Whatever it is, friend, I pray that after, as we sing these songs, I want to invite you, if that's you or if you just want to raise your hand and have someone come with you, we'll pray with you. Because, you know, as I was preparing this, I felt the Lord say that there are some who are really extremely battle-weary, tired, tired. And we all get those moments, but if that's you, that's nothing to be ashamed about. This is part of what it means being a Christian at times and at intensity and the different moments and seasons we have. Please, please friend, just know you're not alone. God is for you. He's not against you. The Bible says that we are more than conquerors. But sometimes we need a plus one, someone to talk to, someone to pray with, someone to share someone to help understand. But whatever you do, please don't go alone. Because it's getting darker. And what happens when it gets dark is we need to make sure that the light
goes brighter. Jesus needs you. He needs you to be all that you can be. He needs you to pray. He needs you to push through. He needs you to believe. Thank you.